This is the Purpose Church podcast where we exist to help every person live on purpose. It is our prayer that this message helps you experience God in a brand new way. Well, good morning and welcome. I'm so glad you're here. If you've been coming for a while and maybe you're new around here and you're like, where, where is this guy, Pastor Landon, where's he been? Well, he has been on a sabbatical and he has a few weeks left in that time that he is taking away. It's been amazing for him. It's been really incredible. God has been in it in so many details. And I'm so excited about what it's doing, not just through him, but in our family and in this family, in our church family. It's truly going to be, it is right now, an incredible season. And Pastor Jansen from Church on the Rock was here a few weeks ago where he laid this whole thing out a little bit more. And so if you missed that week, go back and listen to that. And he goes into that a little bit more. But I can tell you that he loves you. He misses you. He's excited to be back. But God is doing incredible things in him in this season. And um, so for the next few weeks while he is out, I felt like God was wanting us to talk about walk this way. And if you can't help but sing that song... Me too. (laughs) But the ways of Jesus is what we're going to dig into. It's going to be a two-part series. And really, there's so much about the ways of Jesus. We could talk about this for several weeks. But we get two weeks. We're going to dig in and talk about walk this way and what that means. And to start off, I wanted to brag a little bit because I'm super humble. Like, I'm one of the most humble people. That's a joke, y'all, because I'm like not being humble. But I wanted to share with you a little bit about my own personal basketball career. I know you didn't even know that I had a basketball career. I did. I know I look like an unassuming basketball player for many reasons, one which might be my height, but I have a basketball career, and I don't want to brag about it, but I will tell you that I was a starter on the B team of my eighth grade junior high team. Thank you. Thank you. And also, I used to, I used to play a little bit um, when I was in college. I used to play, like, in intramurals. And I would, we went to school together, so we used to play uh, just, like, rec. So I definitely played basketball in college. When I went to college, I played basketball in college. I played college basketball. And um, Landon, if you have not met him, he is tall. He's, like, a foot taller than me. And he hates to lose to me in basketball. And he's not here, so I can say whatever I want about him losing to me in basketball. But I will tell you that he hates to lose to me. Like, he refuses. And he starts to play dirty when he thinks that he might lose to me in basketball. And so what he does is he just gets really goofy and funny and will literally run circles around me until I'm laughing so hard that I cannot even play. But sometimes, you know, we need a little bit of confidence booster. And so lucky for me, I was um, at my daughter's birthday party yesterday, and there was a basketball court. And, and really, my fitness goals are just only to ever be faster than my kids, at least until they're 12. If I can outrun my kids until I didn't realize that it would be such a challenge so soon. I don't have a 12-year-old yet, but I'm like, I, I, I just didn't expect that goal to have to be reevaluated so soon. <laughs> But I had another mom friend with me, and we were playing basketball, and there were a couple of the girls. They're a little bit older. They're a little bit taller. They're athletic. They're a little bit aggressive. And I was like, let's do moms against the girls. And I don't want to call anybody's kid out, Shonda, but one of the kids, last name might rhyme with Kuiper. I don't know. <laughs> and so we were playing basketball with these girls, and I thought, this is going to be easy because I played basketball on the B team for my junior high. And I got this. These girls showed up, and they were ready to go. But every time we made a goal, we'd be like, M, O, M, and, like, taunt it in their face. They hated it also. They hated it. What's awesome about basketball, also we have a basketball small group starting tonight. 
and you guys have led this group many times, and every time y'all lead a basketball group, I want to come play. And I told him, I said, I want to come play basketball with you guys. He literally laughed out loud for like 20 seconds. It was awkward. He laughed so long. I said, thank you. You just became a sermon illustration. Laughed at the thought of me playing basketball. It's funny until I show up. Forgot to mention, my junior high's name was Hood. It was Hood Junior High. I know that's connecting so many points for y'all. Right now, you're like, I get it. I get it. What's awesome about playing basketball is the swish. It's when you sink a shot, and it's nothing but net. That, that feeling you get when it just, whoosh, you feel it, and you know you're like, ah, like I got it. That's it. That's, that's the goal. That's what I'm going for. That sound, that feeling, it's so satisfying. And you don't even have to love basketball to love this, but go ahead and play this clip. I just want it to jazz you up. I want you to get fired up at this sound. Like This should become part of your morning routine. Go ahead. Let it bless you. I'm here for you today. It's nice, isn't it? Or my basketball. You don't, I mean, this goes on for 15 minutes. This is a 15 minute long video. And if you're wondering if we're gonna to listen to this for 15 minutes, you'd be wrong. You're, you're, you're welcome. But that sound of the swoosh, Let's you know you've hit the target. That's your win right there. Thank you, sound team. You can go ahead and cut it. I told him I'd cue them because it is 15 minutes long. That sound of the swish lets you know that you've hit it. And if you're new around here, you, you may or may not know yet that we are on mission to take every person on a spiritual journey. And the journey is outlined in four steps. And the first one is to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. And this journey that we desire to take every believer on, it kind of looks linear when you lay it out this way. But how do you know you know God? Is it because you pray to prayer? Is it because you know Bible stories? How do you know that you know, know God? What is that swish? That's what we're gonna talk about today. That you know that swish, you know you've hit it, you know you're on, on track, you know you're on the journey, you know you're hitting the mark. That's what we're gonna to define today. And then we're gonna keep talking about finding freedom, and we're really going to dig into the discover purpose in part two. How do you know that you are discovering God's redemptive purposes for your life? And we're going to talk about making a difference. But this is the swish. And while it looks linear, this spiritual journey is really more of a spiral. And I like to call it the clarity spiral because it's not that you know God and then you move on to the next thing. And then you find freedom, and then you move on to the next thing where you discover purpose, and then you move on. Like, it's a clarity spiral. So I know God, but I'm not done. I want to keep knowing God. I want to keep discovering God. I want to keep growing in my relationship with God. And maybe I found freedom. Maybe I've peeled back some layers where there was some bondage, and I have found freedom. But time tells all. And maybe as time continues, I have more things that I've got to get free from. And so I deal with those things and I get freedom. So you're, you're constantly gaining clarity as you're going on the clarity spiral, knowing God more, finding more freedom, discovering even more specifically your purpose and exactly how you can make a difference. So the clarity uh, spiral, maybe that resonates with you. So it's not a one-time know God. So how do you know? What is that swish when it comes to knowing God? 
And why is it know God? Why is that the first step in our spiritual journey? Why is it even these four steps? Where did we even get these from? Well, I want to take you on a little bit of a, of a journey to see where we got these things from, these four steps. These promises are close to God's heart. These were initially promises that he gave the children of Israel. But it wasn't just promises for them. These are promises we see in Scripture over and over and over again. And it wasn't just promises for the children of Israel. These are promises that God has given to every person. These are four areas that God desires each of us to grow in. And so if you look at the story in Exodus chapter 6, this is a story where the, the angel of death was passing over the homes of the Israelites. And the angel of death was instructed to pass over any home that had the blood of the lamb over the doorpost. And as it was instructed to pass over, every year since then, for thousands of years, Jewish people celebrate Passover. And when the Jewish people celebrate Passover, part of their um, traditional celebration is that they partake from four different cups. We have four steps. There are four cups in this journey. And those steps coincide with these cups that represent the promises that God has for every believer. We're together? You still with me? Okay. So look at the scripture in Exodus chapter 6. It says, Therefore, say to the people of Israel, and you'll see these four promises. And when the Jewish people celebrate Passover, the four cups that they partake from represent these four promises, which is where we got our four steps from. So it says, I am the Lord. I will free you from oppression. I will rescue you from slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and, and great acts of judgment. And I will claim you as my own people, and I will be your God. So we see in that, that that God wants to free us from oppression. He wants us to know him. He wants us to find freedom. He wants us to discover what our purpose is in him. And he wants us to make a difference with our lives. So this is the journey that God has all of us on. And it's key to what God wants to do in our lives right now. So knowing God is a what. And, and today we're going to dig into a little bit about the how. Because if you know the what, but you don't know the how, it can lead you into feeling like maybe you're living a double life. And maybe you've got parents who raised you and you grew up hearing this. Actions speak louder than words. Actions speak louder than words. Because actions really paint a picture of what your true values and what your true beliefs are. Talk is cheap at the end of the day. It's your actions that will prove it. And Lane and I just celebrated our 17th wedding anniversary this summer. And I can tell you that I am a huge fan of old love. Because you have seen this played out within your marriage over and over and over again. Young love is awesome. It's exhilarating. It's exciting. There's nothing like it. But when year after year, through hardship, through trial, through difficulties, through challenges, when over and over and over the person who, however many years ago, said, I do, continues to do. They continue to show up. They continue to be faithful. They continue to be there in all the, all the ways that you would want a spouse to be there. Over and over and over, those actions speak louder than any of the words. And over time, you see that in such a deep way that you grow more and more in love with that person than you could have ever imagined when you first said, I do. So all the hopes and the promises and the potential you see in somebody in the beginning of a relationship, over time, those things are played out. Because actions truly do speak louder than words. And so we may know the words of Jesus. Maybe you don't. Maybe you are still discovering them. 
But it, we're going to talk today about living that out, believing in Jesus' words and his ways. So we can read the Bible for what? Not for what, for the what. But you can also read the Bible for how. There's a lot of how in the Bible. How to be married, how to parent your children, how to steward your finances, how to make a difference, how to find freedom, how, how to know God. And so before the church, if we're talking more ancient times, before the church um, was a community of shared beliefs, they were a community of shared practices. So if you are new around here or maybe even new to faith, you don't have to adopt every belief to participate in the practices. You can worship God while you're still discovering who he is and working out the beliefs. You can participate in small groups and be on the dream team and you can make a difference with your life while you are learning the beliefs. You can belong before you believe. Once you profess your faith in Jesus and you commit your life to him, I would offer you a question for some thoughtful reflection. How deeply is your belief in Jesus influencing the way you live? So before Christians were called Christians, here's a little bit of Bible trivia. We'll see if somebody out here today knows. Somebody actually knew first service. So before Christians were called Christians, do you know what they were called? Like we would call ourselves followers of Jesus. Do you know what Christians in the early church were called? Anybody? All right. They were called followers of the way. So as we talk about walk this way, what does that mean? They were called followers of the way. So if we consider ourselves to be followers of Jesus, we see over and over in the New Testament, Jesus has an invitation to come follow me. Come follow me. Followers of the way. And, and this, is not, this was not intended to be an invitation to be a fan. This was not an invitation to adopt an ideology. This was an invitation to change the way you live. 1 John 2, 5 and 6 says this, By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him, if actions speak louder than words, here it is. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. He is the way, the truth, and the life. I think it's easy for us to love the life part of it. And then just culturally speaking, we can make up the truth part. That's part two of this. But he is also the way, the way that Jesus lived. So here's, if, if I could have a thesis statement for you this morning, this is it. I can be confident that I know God. Here is the swish in the first step of the spiritual journey that God desires to take each of us on. Here is the swish for us this morning. How do I know that I know God? Well, I can be confident that I know God as I live a lifestyle where I hear God's voice and do what he says. Where I'm regularly hearing the voice of God and doing what he says as a response. But why is it this? Why is it this? Let's look at what the Bible says in John chapter 10. It says, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. As a stranger, they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. In verse 14, jumping ahead, it says, I am the good shepherd, and, I, and, and my own know me. So knowing God is not about ascribing to a certain creed. That's an air ball. It's not about knowing Bible stories or Bible verses. That's not the swish. 
knowing God is not knowing about God. It's not even knowing the Bible. But knowing God is hearing his voice, living a lifestyle where you hear his voice and do what he says. Because knowing God in its very essence, it's about having a relationship with him. And relationship boils all the way down to one thing, and it's communication. There is no relationship without communication. I have no actual relationship with Joanna Gaines, none. None. I have none relationship with her. I have never, because I have never once talked to her. I've never once talked to her. The people, though, that I talk to regularly, those that I'm in regular communication with, I have a relationship with them. Relationship boils down to communication. If you've lost a loved one, the most painful thing about losing that person is that you can no longer communicate with them. And you're reminded of that pain when something happens and you just want to pick up the phone and you realize you can't. You realize you can't share something with them. You can't talk to them. You can't communicate. Relationship is about communication. So finding freedom, discovering purpose, and making a difference. It all becomes possible once we learn to hear the voice of God and to do what he says. Imagine the impact it would have on your own life if you regularly hear the voice of God and do what he says. How would it change your life? Imagine your family. Imagine every single person in your family regularly hearing from God and doing what he says. How would it change your family? Or think about your small group that you're going to go to this week. Imagine a small group where every person is hearing the voice of God and doing what he says. And if you were just look around this room and there was one group here before you, what if both services, every single person in the church regularly hears the voice of God and does what he says? How would that impact our church? It would be amazing. I can tell you what it would be. It would be a bad day for the devil it would be a bad day for the devil to have an entire church or an entire family that regularly hears the voice of God and does what he says. That's a bad day for the devil. It's a bad day for him. So I think he's working a little extra overtime to make sure that we're not hearing his voice. I think he comes in with fear. I think he comes in with insecurity to convince us that we can't hear the voice of God. So we're going to look at a couple of hindrances to hearing the voice of God. There are going to be six. So we'll go through them quickly. The first thing is distraction. We live in a world full of notifications, beeps, alerts. Every time you download an app, would you like to receive notifications for this app? Life tip, always select no. Always select no. We need to teach our phones that we go to our phones when we want to use our phones. Our phones are not the boss of us. We have a time to check our email. We have a time to check our text messages. We have a time to check social media. It does not tell us what to do. And so in the same way we got spring clean our homes, I want to encourage you today to spring clean your phone. Go through your phone. Get a little delete happy. Let's minimize some distractions and make room for God's voice in our lives. Because nothing is more important than for your soul to be in connection with your Savior. And I think he's worthy of our full attention. I heard an interview between Dr. Caroline Leaf and Stephen Furtick, and they were talking about how we don't go eight minutes without an, an interrupted thought. That kind of made me sad. I was like, eight minutes? That's probably not true. So I tested it. It's definitely true. And uh, so part of my quiet time, I would set my timer for eight minutes and just sit quietly without any interruptions for eight minutes. It got easier with time, but it was very telling just how distracted we actually are. 
and it is difficult to hear the voice of God amidst a bunch of constant notifications and beeps. And it's not all about our phone. Honestly, like if my phone's not beeping at me, I'm going to go beep at somebody else. I look for distractions. When I write sermons and I prepare for messages, I actually have to just stay home and delete them off my phone because I actively look for distractions. And to be honest, we look for distractions even in our busyness. I think sometimes we can be so busy that we just keep ourselves busy to kind of narcotize ourselves. Maybe there's something going on right below the surface, but we don't even know because we just go on to the next thing. And if there's not a thing to go to, but maybe there's a feeling, we create something to go to so we don't have to feel the feels that maybe God's trying to speak to us through it. So the first thing is distraction. The second thing is not enough practice. It takes practice to tune in. It takes practice to get those swishes. To nail that many or one or a couple, it takes practice. And you know this because you actually yell at the TV when you're watching a game and they miss it. And you tell them, all you do is practice this. How can you miss it? You can't miss a free throw. All you do is practice free throws. You've you've shot tens of thousands of free throws and you're going to miss one right now in this moment, in this game? But we're all aware of the fact that it takes practice. It takes practice to hear the voice of God. So here's a question I want to challenge you to be asking. To always be asking this question. God, what are you saying to me right now? And your emotions are actually a pretty good indicator as you ask those questions. God, I'm feeling very, like, anxious right now. What are you saying to me in that? And to be, get quiet and get still and sit with the answer for a little bit. Maybe go for a walk. Maybe turn on some worship music. But bring these feelings to, to him. We don't want feelings to be our guide or be our boss. Our feelings aren't the boss of us. We have to tell our feelings what to do. But they can be indicators to us. They shouldn't be just shoved down and ignored. They're there for a reason. And I think that God can show us what those reasons are if we'll make room and take time to ask him. Maybe there's a, a, a feeling of... Um, just maybe sadness or heaviness. Maybe God's trying to say something to you in that. God, what are, what are you saying to me in this? But practice that. Practice asking what he is saying to you. And practice listening. And it gets more clear the more you practice, the more you hear it. And, and sometimes you may miss it, and that's okay. Because the next point is fear of getting it wrong. Sometimes we don't hear the voice of God because we don't listen because we're afraid of getting it wrong. 1 Corinthians 13, 9 says, we know in part and we prophesy in part. In part. You're not going to have the full picture. It's kind of like a puzzle piece. You have pieces. Someone else has pieces. But you don't have the full picture. There are just pieces. So you've got to give yourselves a little bit of room to flex. And here's another challenge to you this morning is to forever lay down and turn in your God card. What is your God card? Your God card is this. God told me. God told me. Because if we're not careful, that strong of language can feel manipulative to the people around you. Who am I to argue with God? If God said for you to do this, I guess we're going to go ahead and do it. So you can leave your room, you can leave some room for yourself to be flexible by not using such strong language. By giving yourselves some room to be flexible. Because you know in part, you prophesy in part. Here's a little bit of softer language for you. I feel like God is leading me. This is what I'm sensing from the Lord. And sometimes we miss it. Sometimes we get it wrong. But I think it's important to try. 
I think it's important to practice, and I think it's important that we don't just throw down the God card knowing that sometimes we could miss it. Be confident, know that he's going to speak to you, but to use language that allows for a little bit of flexibility. And then invite people into an authentic relationship with you who can push back a little bit because they can hear from God too, right? So if you have people in genuine relationship with you, they can maybe push back on it and say, well, this is, this is really what I'm sensing from the Lord. And if they're not the same, maybe that's a good filter. Speaking of filters, here are a couple. Number one is scripture. God will never speak to you to do something that violates his word. That is absolutely foundational. Every word that God has ever spoken to anybody ever for all of time will line up with his word. So scriptures are our foundation. And then you can look at the life of Jesus as another, as another filter. If you feel like God is calling you to do something, but it exactly contradicts the way that Jesus lived, I would challenge you in hearing the voice of God. You can say, maybe, hey, if you miss it, you can blame it on the pizza you had the night before. But at least you're trying and you're listening. Check scripture, check the way Jesus lived, and then let those around you speak into your life as well. Be in genuine relationship with people. So don't have a fear of getting it wrong. Number four is trying too hard. Trying too hard. We cannot just clench our fists and then conjure up the voice of God. I actually did this one time before. I even knew that hunger strikes were a thing. I, I was praying about whether I should go to the university I was at and pursue my teaching degree or if I should go to Bible school where Landon was at and pursue full-time ministry. And I did not hear from God. And so I was like, you know what? I'll eat when you answer me. And so I was walking on this track at the, at the campus where we lived and I would just walk and I would say, God, I'm just going to wait out here until you answer me. Except that I lived in Oak Cliff and it was getting dark. So I thought, well, okay, I'm going to head in, but um, I'm not going to eat until you answer me. We can't do that though. We can't, we, you can't conjure up God's voice in your life. And a lot of times if we just come to God for an answer to our prayer, we're missing the greatest gift, which is just closeness with him. He is the reward, not his answer, not his voice. Sometimes it's just knowing him. It's just being with him. It's that time we spend with him. And I want to encourage you in this too, is that, that God is always the initiator in our relationship with him. God always is the one who initiates. He's the one who came to earth. Even in the very beginning of time, Adam's walking in the garden. Did he go to God? God came to him. God met him in the garden. Did we go to Jesus? No. God sent his son to us. God initiates his relationship with us. We receive it. He's always the initiator. So you don't have to conjure up his voice in your life. He initiates. And he'll, he'll, he will come to you. But his presence is enough. It's good enough to rest in his presence. So when you wait on the Lord, you don't just freeze. You keep moving. You keep living. And you keep pressing into him. And you grow closer to him in the waiting. I never got a clear answer from God. So I just did the last thing I believed he told me to do, which was to go to the university and get my degree in teaching. So that's where I, I stayed. I didn't have a clear word to change. So I stayed the course that I was on. But you don't just stop and get paralysis of analysis, keep moving, keep pressing in, keep hearing from him. The fifth one is unbelief. 
I think there are many of us that have this deeply held belief that you can't hear from God, that you're not good enough to hear from God, that you're not holy enough to hear from God, that you're not um, whatever enough to hear from God. And I would just like to speak for a second to that on a theological basis. The Bible says that if you have received Jesus, that your spirit has been reborn, that your spirit has been reborn. And we see that Jesus, he's explaining this to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. That your spirit has been reborn. It's been made new. And the spirit of God now lives inside of you. And the Bible says that the spirit of God communicates to the spirit within inside of us. So if you have been saved and the spirit of God is in you and you've been born again, you can absolutely hear from God. And this should give you great faith. This should build your confidence that you can hear from God. The other thing that keeps us from hearing God, the sixth thing, is disobedience. Every word God gives us is meant to be stewarded. Every word he gives us is meant to be stewarded. Have you ever had a relationship where somebody may have been coming to you asking for advice over and over and you give them advice and they don't do what you said ever and they keep coming to you? Eventually what happens is you start to pull away. You start to see, well, this train's not going anywhere ever fast, so you start to pull back. And so I think if God gives us a word, we need to treasure it as, as a precious, living word from God. And to steward that word that he gives us. And, and he speaks to you, and you're practicing listening, and you do what he says, you're taking a step towards him. And he's like, oh, you're going to steward that word well. Here's another one. And then you take it, and at least, even if you get it wrong, he knows that you're trying, and he sees that you're being faithful to do it, and he he gives you another one, and you continue to move closer and closer to him. I was in a Bible study group a few weeks ago, and and we had read scripture and prayed over it and asked God what he was speaking to us through it. We just took some time for a listening prayer, and I was sensing that God was calling me to go away with him. And I was seeing Canyon Lake in my head as I was thinking that. And I said out loud, because that brings accountability, I said, I believe that he's calling me to take some time away with him, like just for a few hours, to spend part of my Sabbath day, which is another way of Jesus. A day off is not your employer's idea. It's, it's the way of Jesus. So my plan was on my Sabbath to go to Canyon Lake and just spend time with God. I felt like that's what he was calling me to do. Well, Friday morning comes and then it starts in my head, ways that I can justify it, ways to get out of it. Well, you know, and they're good reasons, trust me. My mom always said I'd make a very good lawyer. I think she was insulting me though. (laughs) Something about a fence post that I'd argue with, I don't know. But they were good reasons. I was thinking, well, I I want something sustainable. I wanna hear from God and go away with him in a way that's sustainable on a daily basis. I can't always go to Canyon Lake. I'll walk around my neighborhood and this argument with myself was taking a while. And I was like, well, my time is slipping away. If I'm going to go, I need to go or get to it either way. And then it came to this moment where I was like, do I believe that God spoke to me in that moment or not? Am I going to do what God called me to do or not? And to be really honest with you, I decided to go. I decided because I have to meet with them again next week and I have to tell them whether or not I obey God. So I thought I didn't want to, I didn't want to airball it, wanted that swoosh. So I decided to go and thought, 
I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to practice hearing from God. Maybe I missed it. Maybe this is what he was really telling me. I'm going to try it. And as soon as I started getting to my van, I started feeling this, this I don't even know how to describe this emotion. It was almost just kind of overwhelming, but I, I was already preparing this message, so I did this. I was like, God, what are you saying to me in this? And here's what I know, is that if I had not taken that time to get away, I would have distracted myself from feeling those emotions. I would have been like, well, these don't feel pleasant. This maybe feels sad. This maybe feels heavy. This maybe feels overwhelming. I know how to handle this. And we all know how to handle that. We go eat something sweet. We go drink something. Maybe smoke something. Maybe we just get busy. And we let the distractions and busyness of life squeeze out the voice of God in us. But I sat in it for a moment. I just turned on some worship music in my car and I'm asking, God, what are you saying to me in this? And he was able to meet me in that place. He was able to minister to me because I brought those feelings to him. Then he can speak to it and he can show me what he's saying through it. So you've got to make room for him. You've got to dial down the distractions. You've got to trust that he's there. So I'm at Canyon Lake and I'm walking around. And the truth is, I didn't receive any revelation from God. There was no divine word. I didn't get anything for you. I didn't get anything for the church. I didn't get anything for my sermon. Well, except that I'm talking about it now. But I read a verse before I went that talked about, we shared it last Sunday, gazing on the beauty of the Lord. I went back to that verse and I'm looking at Canyon Lake, which is beautiful. It's an easy place to do that. And I just thought about the beauty of the Lord in my life. And that was it. There was no divine moment. There was no direction. There was no breakthrough. There was no answered prayer. It's just the closeness of a relationship with him, of practicing doing what he's saying. I've missed it a lot. I feel kind of bad sharing a story where I listen and obey. There are lots of times I've missed it. Lots of times I've missed it. Lots of, lots of times I thought I heard him and I went to do it and it was horrible. There were some times where I knew what he told me to do and I didn't do it. And I didn't do it. I remember one time I took uh, my boys to get a haircut and Levi was little, and at the time he could really be a stage four clinger. He had never taken a, gotten a haircut, not in my lap at this point. And he was sitting there, and we're at Supercuts, and this lady comes out, and I had been watching her cut hair, and I was thinking, I want to invite her to church. I just had this sense. I don't know if you've ever felt drawn like that. I just had this sense. I was like, I should invite her to church. And this lady comes out, and she like kneels down, and she just talked to Levi like he's a real boy not like kitty language, like just talk to him like he was real. And Levi for the first time walked off and got in the seat and got his hair cut. But the whole time I'm seeing this woman, I just thought, man, I should invite her to church. And I didn't do it. I didn't, I didn't obey. And I, I don't know why, I can't explain all the reasons why it's that fear of what people think of you. And I, I promise you, a few weeks later, that same woman showed up to church Someone else invited her. Like God had a moment. And what that taught me though, is that I did hear God. God, God had, a, had a destiny for that woman to be a part of our church family. She's been with us for years. And you know her, you love her. I don't have permission to share the story, but we all love Kristen. Her mom has moved here. We love Miss Dana. But God had a destiny for that family. We love Noah and Ava. I honestly can't even imagine my life without that family in it. But I didn't, I didn't obey God in that moment. But God in his kindness brought her to church, not to, not to 
condemn me, to say, you didn't even listen to me, and I had to, I had to use a donkey to speak because you wouldn't even listen to me or whatever, you know? But God made a way because he had plans for her. And I think that God kindly showed me, hey, hey girl, that was my voice. That, that thing you felt, that supercuts, that was me. So now I'm like, okay, now I know. Now I, I know what that sounds like. You can practice it. You get used to the voice. And the next time you hear it, you can, you can do what he says to do. The swish for us, church, the swish for us that we know God is that you hear his voice, that you live a lifestyle of hearing his voice and doing what he says. That's our swish. Mark chapter 4 is this parable of a sower. When it talks about a sower sowing seed, and some of the seed gets snatched up, some of the seed washes away, not all of the seed takes root. But the metaphor is that the seed is God's word in our lives. And God's word deserves to be cherished and cultivated and to take root in our lives. And the Bible says that when we steward something well, that he gives us more of that. So my prayer for you today is that when you hear the voice of God in your life, that you will steward it. And if you feel like God has gone silent in your life and you've, maybe you've met God and you're on that clarity spiral, but you're thinking, man, his voice has sure been silent in my life for a while. Here's what I would encourage you. I would encourage you to go back to the last thing you heard him say to you and see if you did that thing. What was the last thing he spoke to you? Just to revisit that thing if you feel like his voice has gone silent in your lives. If God's voice always agrees with you, if God's voice always keeps you in your comfort zone, I would lovingly say that that's not God, that's probably yourself. Because God's voice challenges us. God's voice doesn't agree with us. God's voice calls us out of our comfort zone. So how do we hear the voice of God? The first thing is to position yourself. The first thing is to position yourself. 21 days of prayer is a great way to do that. Just to position yourself. Maybe it's in your car while you're driving. But position yourself to say, God, what are you saying to me? Just ask the question. So position yourself to get quiet and listen. The second thing is to pay attention because God is always moving. He's doing something. Ask him, God, what are you doing in my workplace? What are you doing in my neighborhood? What are you doing in my family? What are you doing on my church teams? And what are you doing in my small groups? God, what, what are you doing? So paying attention. And the third thing is to practice. Because it takes practice to get that swish. It takes practice to know God. It takes practice to hear his voice. But to put yourself out there and practice because it is a relationship, it grows. So keep growing in your relationship with him and keep being developed. And that development part is what part two is going to be, is the way that God wants to develop us, that that's his purpose for us and to help you walk confidently in the purpose and the call that God has for you, but to stay in relationships, stay practicing, keep growing and keep being developed. So you can be confident in this, you can be confident that you know God when you live a lifestyle of hearing his voice and doing what he says. If you would go ahead and bow your head and close your eyes, I'm gonna pray that over you this morning. I'm gonna pray that you will know God. Knowing God may start with a prayer. It may start with raising your hand. It may start responding in a service. It may start by knowing scripture. 
But I believe that God wants to, he, he desires to know you even more. So wherever you find yourself on the clarity cycle, I believe that God desires to take you deeper in a relationship with him. So we're just gonna pray that this morning. Lord, we thank you that you desire to know us. God, we thank you that you desire a personal relationship with us. And God, while we seek you in community and and it is our father and, and there is a community essence to it, God, you are personal to each and every one of us. And Lord, in the same way, our, communica- our, our relationships are built on communication with family and with friends. God, I pray that our relationship with you will grow as our communication with you grows. And God, I pray that we will continue to cultivate the spirit inside of us, your very nature that is inside of us that can hear from you. And your spirit does communicate with our spirit. God, I pray that we will hear your voice. And God, I pray that when we hear your voice, that it's not a nice suggestion to us. But God, that we will honor the living, breathing word of God in our lives and do what you call us to do, even if it stretches us, challenges us, calls us out of our comfort zones. God, would we be irritatingly obedient to the word that you have given us? God, would we steadfastly grab onto every word and steward it well? God, I pray for the one who feels like maybe your voice has gone silent in their lives. God, I pray that that through even your Holy Spirit that you will speak to them and bring them back to the last thing you spoke to them. And God, I just pray for a spirit of obedience over that, that we will hear from you and do what you call us to do, that we'll take that, that next step with you. And God, if there's anyone here today who doesn't know you, God, your word says that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And God, if this is a moment where somebody's spirit for the first time can become reborn, God, I pray that they will call out to you in this prayer time this morning. God, I pray that we just continue to know you more. God, we thank you for your life-saving voice in our lives. God, I thank you for every time you've spoken to me, every time you've saved me from myself by your still, small, steady voice in my life. God, we thank you for the richness of your word, that you speak to us through your word. Lord, we love you so much. We're thankful for our relationship with you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, can we give the Lord a hand this morning? Thank him for his faithfulness. Thank him for his goodness. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Church podcast. If God uses message to impact your life, tell us your story by emailing mystory@thepurposechurch.com. Be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at thepurposechurch.com to get connected and receive all the latest information.